0: Today's lesson is The Oxygen of Life. I know that's a strange title. The Oxygen of... What is? What is the oxygen of life? Uh, back in the early 70s, there was a song that said, um, all I need is the air that I breathe and to love you, just to love you. That is a lie. You need more than oxygen to love somebody. How I many you know that it's good to tell people that you love them, but um, love needs to be shown. I said love needs to be shown, and uh, the, one of the greatest scriptures that most people know in the Bible is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he he got, he did something. He showed that he loved us. And uh, being Father's Day, you know, the probably worst confrontation that Jesus had with the religious people, with religious people, the synagogue people, people who were religious. The 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 hardest time that he had was when he told, in John chapter 5, he told them that uh, God was his father. They got ticked. They got so angry because they said, you saying that God is your father, you're, you're putting yourself equal to him or you're, you're saying, you know, that you're on the same kind of level as him. In, in all of the Old Testament, that revelation of God was... Not revealed, or they didn't know that. Do you realize Jesus comes on the scene to reveal that God is not just God; He's God the Father. He is God, not God the not God the Father. Not that that's a wrong road, but He is God the Father. You're a father. I'll get it right in a minute, but uh, He wants the world to know that God wants to reveal himself as a father. And you can have the most awesome father. Maybe you didn't even have a good father. Maybe you don't know your father. But I'm telling you, God wants to reveal himself as the most awesome father. And if you've got kids, I've got kids. i got three kids, three grandkids. And uh, there is nothing that just touches your heart more. I mean, just to see your kids happy and joyful and blessed and and you, no, no good father wants to see their kid, you know, sick. Oh, your child's got the flu. Oh, good, 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 good. How's that fever coming? Oh, it's only 100? Oh, we'll push for 103. Let's try to get that up. No good father. I mean, you, that's insanity. But isn't it amazing that's what we think about our heavenly father. Isn't it amazing that we think negative, terrible things about our Heavenly Father, and He is the most awesome Father that we could ever imagine? We could ever imagine. I, I was meditating upon this this week, of how much God loves me. You know, I am thankful in the last four or five years, four or five years. I've been a minister for 20-something years. But in the last four or five years, uh, the Lord has just really been giving me some revelation about righteousness, about the grace of God and I've been ministering for years and um, and just it seems like a whole light bulb moment in the last four or five years. But I'm going to tell you something that's been the greatest ongoing revelation that I've ever received in the last four or five years and all of the years I've been born again. I was born again at age seven, raised up in church all my life and uh, but... The last four or five years, the greatest revelation I have, it's just changed me, revolutionized my life, my ministry, is the love of God. And I know that sounds like such a simple, simple statement. But as I was meditating upon this this week, I was thinking about how much God, my Father, loves me and He loves you. I was thinking about, for an illustration purpose, like the ocean is, represents his love. The ocean. I mean, that's massive, isn't it? I mean, it is so massive. And do you understand, though, that God's love is endless? There is no, uh, there is a limit. You could measure all of the oceans, but God's love can never be measured. There is no, but for illustrative purposes, and this is what I felt like. I was meditating upon this and thinking, God, I am so thankful that you have been revealing your love to me and just it's just changed my life it's changed my ministry changes how I treat my wife <laughs> how I treat my children and everything and, and I felt like the Lord said you know what it's like Mike it's like you getting a cup and going to the ocean and dipping into the ocean and saying this is your revelation of how much I love you And he says, there's a whole ocean out there that I want to reveal my love to you, to the church, to the world. I mean, that just, that's just awesome. Because most of my life growing up in church, um, I didn't think God loved me all the time. That he only loved me when I did good, did right, and read my Bible every single day. You know that that's when God really, really loved me. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to. We're talking about the oxygen of life. The oxygen of life for you and me is are the words that come out of our mouth. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in James chapter three, verse two through five. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Let me just make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. We all make many mistakes, including moi. And uh, for if we could control our tongue. We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even through the winds, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get a great forest on fire. So we all need help with our tongue, do we not? Did you know it actually takes faith and believe in God that He will help you with your tongue? This is what gets us in more trouble than anything, is our tongue. We talked about that, uh, our spirit and our soul and our body. We talked about that for two to three weeks and how that they're connected. And in Matthew chapter 15 and 18, it says, With the words you speak come from the heart. When we speak, everything comes out of the issues of your heart, not your organ that pumps. But the things that really are life to us comes from your heart. And so it says the words we speak. So I can tell you what, you've been, what your life is like by what you are saying. And what you are saying is because of what you've been thinking. If you constantly think and think and think and think, you're eventually going to say it. And that's why God told us in Philippians 4 uh, to uh, think upon things that are honest, things that are pure, things that are good report. Think on these things. Why? Because eventually it's going to leak out of your mouth. It's going to leak out of your mouth. In Proverbs chapter 3, this is a great thing. You know, the Word of God is so powerful. We don't really... (laughs) It's like the cup of water a dip into the ocean. It's the same thing that when we dip into the Word of God. And God wants this Word to be planted in your heart. In your heart, not just your mind. In your heart, because if it's in your heart, it eventually will come out of your mouth. It'll come out of your mouth. But in Proverbs chapter 3... Verse 3, it says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. The good thing about when you plant things, when you plant a seed, I mean, you know, it, it really doesn't take faith. It's kind of effortlessly. You, can't, you don't stand over the seed and, and just go, okay, seed, come on, seed. You can do it, seed. Come on, seed. You just put it in the ground and it does its thing. You know, Melody, she loves the garden. Um, I hate anything to do with the garden except to eat it. I love eating it. But I was raised in Kentucky where uh, uh, weeds grew in abundance. And my job was to keep the weeds out of the garden. So I would look over the the fence and see kids playing basketball, and I'm pulling weeds. So I develop a hatred for gardens. But anyway, uh, it takes, listen, it takes very little effort, very little effort. When you put the seed in the ground, it's going to produce. It's the same with the Word of God. We make serving God so difficult, hard. Oh, it's so hard. No, if it is, it's because it's religion. Religion is hard, extremely hard. I believe that's why God in these last days, he's raising up churches all around the world and people with a a voice to say how good God is and how easy it is to be a believer and a child of the living king. Amen? Amen. So anyway, he says, write these things deep within your heart. How do you write on your heart? Wouldn't it be great because if you write on your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. So that would be an important thing. Would it not to to be able to write on your heart? Because if you write on your heart, you know if it's written on your heart, eventually it's going to come out of your mouth. The issues of life come out of the heart. So what is the secret there? How do you write on your heart? Psalms 45.1. Psalms 45.1 says, my heart... Is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. How do you write on your heart? I don't want you sticking your tongue out, but it's your tongue. It's that thing. You write on your heart with your tongue. David knew this. He knew this. So that's why it's awesome to say what the Word of God says about you and me. You know why? Because all of us we want to say the negative thing. We want to say how we feel. And we want everybody to know how we feel. You know, my children know that if they say this to me, this is what I'm going to say. If they say, I am so tired, I'm just tired, I'm really tired. I'm not just tired, I'm really, really tired. I just say, you know what, the whole world's tired. And nobody cares. So, I'm just saying it like it's what you want to say, but you're afraid to. Nobody really cares how, you know, you're tired. Because everybody's tired. Thank you. Everybody's tired. So what we feel, what we see, we want to express it with our tongue. But what we don't realize is, is you are writing that, sweetheart, on your heart. You write things on your heart every day. We're tempted every day to say the, the most negative things. If it's not about us, it's about somebody we know. And if we can make them look bad, it makes you... Look better, but did you know what? I liked what one minister said one time, he says, "Just because you put their candle out doesn't make your candle bright any better." Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Mark 11 verse twelve. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he, Jesus, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now you say, well, why was he looking for figs if it wasn't the season for figs? Well, Jesus knew some things about fig trees, especially in Israel. If a fig tree had leaves on it, it would have figs on it. So if there were no leaves, there'd be no figs. But even though it was the Not the season for figs. He saw a fig tree and he goes, hey, from afar. And he looks and he says, hey, that fig tree's got leaves on it. That means it's got figs on it. All right? So you follow me? So that's what he was thinking. In verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it. Is Is that strange to you? First of all, in response, he was saying that the fig tree is saying something to me. And Jesus said, I'm going to say something back to it. Jesus spoke to fig trees. Jesus spoke to physical bodies. Jesus spoke to the winds and the storms. He spoke to things. And he was our example. You and I need to be speaking to things. We need to be speaking to things. Because if you don't, you're just going to accept everything that happens to you. Your body can get old and worn out and and start falling apart. And everybody thinks that's just the way life is. If that's what you believe, that's probably what's going to come out of your mouth, and your body will fall apart. And I'm not, listen to me, I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. Are you hearing me? But I am here because I want to help you because your heavenly father loves you and me so much. He does not want your body to fall apart and suffer. Are you hearing me? So in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. Well, he knew something was wrong with the tree because if it has leaves, it should have figs. But since it didn't have figs, something was deformed or something was wrong for it. So he says, hey, your days of a tree are over. So verse 19, drop down to verse 19. It says, and when evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So they went in a certain path to the city. They came out the exact same path. And all of a sudden they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, verse 23, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he spoke to that fig tree, and that fig tree looked the same after he spoke to it. Looked exactly the same. And I assume, especially Peter, probably thought nothing happened looks still like a fig tree to me, still has the leaves everything looks good but there is a spiritual world that is more real than the world of the five senses that we live in that's the world that created the world that we see that's the world that is more powerful than anything that you can see, feel, taste, touch It's more real, but yet to us, not to us, but to some people, the physical world is more real than the spiritual world, and the physical world is more powerful than the spiritual world, and it's exactly the opposite, but if that's what you believe, you will live according to that. Now, the next morning, they came out, and they saw the fig tree that it had withered up and it was deader in a door now. But let me ask you something. These flowers here, lilies, I learned that from the first sermon, so I've been educated. Lilies, I, I don't know, like I said, I stay away from, but this is alive and well. But look, this lily, isn't it beautiful? It looks just like what it was plant it in there attached to its life-giving source. Doesn't it look exactly the same as 30 seconds ago that I just cut it? It's not a trick question. Does it look the same? Everybody was watching it looks the same. They're not answering but it looks the same. This flower is dead right now. There is no life source coming up to it. It is dead. Now it may take a day or two or however long to show the world that it is dead. But it is dead right now. There's no life going through. I mean, it's, it's cut off. This is what Jesus was wanting you and me and all of us to know. When you speak something from your heart and you believe it in your heart, there may not be any change. It may look the same. It may feel the same wrong one but it's dead <laughs> but this is what you people respond oh, we pray or we're believing God or we're speaking you know in Mark eleven twenty three, it says you speak to your mountain most people go to God and talk how bad their mountain is we need to go to the mountain and speak to the mountain. But the problem, And some of you know that, and, but you speak to the mountain, and the mountain still says, I'm still here and I look the same. Nothing's changed. It's changed. But people say, nothing happened. I still feel the same. I still have that pain. My checkbook still looks the same. My marriage still stinks. I mean, nothing's changed. And so then you begin to speak with your mouth that nothing has changed. And so now you're writing on your heart what well, nothing has changed. And so guess what happens? <gasps> nothing changes. And then we we'll, most people will go to God and cry. God, or or the devil. The devil said, and you know, this is one time the devil goes, "Wasn't me. I didn't do anything. I didn't. I didn't. I'm innocent on this one. Usually I'm not, but I'm but it's our mouth. We're praying and believing God, and we sit there and go, well, nothing nothing changes. I still feel the same, and nothing ever changes in my life. I'm telling you. Remember this illustration, because God wants you to know. Do you understand the power? You know, I think most denominations even believe that God lives inside of you. except accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get Born again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. Jesus comes and dwells on the inside of you. Almighty God dwells on the inside of every believer on this planet. And yet we think that, well, you know, I'm just only human. (laughs) Well, that's the way you will live your life. But that's not the intention, the way that God wants you to live your life. I believe it's this world... As the days and years and months go on and on, days, weeks, months, and years. I get a little bit backwards. When it keeps going on, there's going to be a greater revelation of who you are and who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. That power is on the inside of me. It's on the inside of you that you have the ability. Jesus spoke to sick people. He spoke to storms. He spoke to fig trees. He spoke to things, and they obeyed him. When he came to reside on the inside of you, he did not leave his power on the outside. But we're trained. We're trained. I was trained in in church all the days of my life. If you're raised in church like I was, if you have been in church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50, 60 years, you have and I have a terrible disadvantage of people who are getting born again today. And I'll clarify that. Like I said, in the last four or five years, I feel like, man, life has just exploded for me. Why? Because for 50 years of my life, 55, I'm 59, so 55, 54 years of my life, I was writing on my heart. And this is what I would write on my heart. If I do write then Jesus and God will treat me right. If I read my Bible, if I I do all of my religious square filling out, then God will love me better, will love me more. The list goes on and on and on and on. I'm telling you, I have so many things written on my heart. Ty- things that that go totally contrary to the Word of God. That we're all, I'll just put, be blunt, that we're religious. That everybody would say amen to. So I've been, in the last four or five years... Doing this day after day after day after day. Erasing things that have been written on my heart. And erasing and erasing and erasing. And now, for the last four or five years of my life, I've been writing that God... Is always good to me. And all the promises are yes and amen. And it does not mean anything to Mike Davis. It has everything. The reason that God is so good to me, everybody who's watching online, God is good to you and thinks good of you because of Jesus and nothing because of you. It's because of him. That has been, I have been saved since I was seven years old, and I just really got free about four or five years ago. Because I understand that God loves me for God so, I don't know how we got to this point. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Well, how was the world? Man, it was in a hellhole, full of sin, full of wickedness, and the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And then we think, oh yes, God loves the sinners. But then once you get saved, he can barely stand you. (laughs) Kind of like a lot of family reunions we go to. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have went there. I didn't mean to go there. But anyway, you know what I mean. It's not an earthquake for those who are watching. We've just barely dip in to the love of God. And according to how we live our life, The revelation that we get from how much God loves us, that's what's going to be manifested in our life and how we live. And it's not a true picture of how much God loves you or what he's done for you and me. He is so good. So I'm determined to really write on my heart what God really thinks about me, not what some people person may have said is what some preacher may have said listen if I say something and it's contrary to this man you better spit that out this is what God thinks about and listen and you have to interpret this though because you can get any scripture you know I mean people can get a scripture and say well this is what God thinks about you you know I mean well Judas went out and hung himself let's all just confess that Jesus came on the scene because he wants God wants us to know how much he loves us. It will change your life. It, it just cuts out all of this religiosity. Is that a word? It cuts all that garbage out. But listen, if you've been in church the majority of your life, more than likely you have things inside of you that it have been rooted inside of you that you don't even know. And we all thought it was good. We all thought it was good, you know. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And then we add, blessed be the name of the Lord. It sounds so good. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Well, pastor, it is in the Bible. Yeah, Job said it. There's a lot of people in the Bible who said stupid things. Emphasis on stupid If you read Job chapter 42, he said, God God would just, he would slap him upside the head, so to speak. He said, where were you when I created, you know so much, Job. Where were you when I created the stars and the universe? Where were you when I did this and I did that? Where were you? And he was just basically saying, answer me. Talk to me, you that know so much. Finally, in Job chapter 42, Job says, I will shut my mouth. I have said things I knew nothing about. We don't hear that quoted at the funeral. I've been tempted at times being at funeral, but I'm I'm polite, you know, when somebody, the preacher gets up and says, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. i want to stand up and say, yeah, and he was stupid when he said that. Don't do that. Do not do that. You need to have respect, but, I'm just saying I was tempted. But um, my point is this. We need to understand the gospel, which is good news, by the way. We need to understand that if it's contrary to a revelation of how good God is, you're misinterpreting it. Our Father is nothing but good. All of the promises, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, are yes and Amen. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Colossians 127, 120, 120 something. 1 John 4.17, as he is, so are we, so are we on this earth. Not when we get to heaven. See, we've been writing things on our heart. And because of those things are written on our heart, that's how we picture God, and that's how our life will be. If I do good, God thinks great things about me. If I do bad, I'm not on his good list. He's not Santa Claus, and he has a naughty and a good list, a naughty and a nice list. I knew good (laughs) didn't sound right. He is not. He loves you all the time. He loves you all the time. And when we start writing things like that on our heart, and how do you do it? With your tongue because all of, every single person in here including me we say things probably every week of our life that are negative but it's the truth pastor i mean i say i'm tired cuz i'm tired but the bible also says the lord the joy of the lord is the strength of my life why don't we say that The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. We need to know how much joy that is on the inside of us. Uh, let me just help you out here. This is my opinion now. I've gone to preaching to stop and to opinionate it. So everybody, this is my opinion. You, you, did you hear that? I know there's a lot of people on. Did you know in America we take more medication for depression and feeling bad than any nation on the planet than any nation on the planet and we're the most prosperous nation and we're pumping the pills and I'm not belittling that but let me just ask you this is it possible you know people they say they have a chemical imbalance I believe that I believe the chemicals in their brain their hormones or whatever I believe it's totally imbalanced I, I believe that but I do believe this is my opinion We're taking drugs to make the chemical balance correct itself. Is it possible that we have a chemical imbalance because we've been thinking upon the wrong and negative things and it causes the chemicals in our body to be imbalanced? Just a thought. Jesus wants us to think upon Philippians 4.8 says... Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is holy, whatsoever is good. Think on these things. That's how much our Father loves us. He doesn't want our balance to be, or our chemicals to be in balance. Now, listen, if, if, you, if you're fighting depression, I'm not here to, to um, make you feel condemned because I say this probably once every six weeks. A condemned person cannot receive from God. So the devil is out to make Christians feel condemned feel bad about themselves, to feel shame about themselves, and you will struggle to receive from God. But if you believe that all of my sins are forgiven, that God loves me, it puts you in a place, man, I can receive everything that God has for me. Woo! Yeah. So, uh, trust me, I'm not here to, to bring that out to, to make you feel condemned in any way, shape, or form. I'm here because I believe God wants to set you free and cause you, and listen, if you've been doing that for 20 years, it, 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 I'm not saying that you're going to tomorrow morning just 100% start thinking great things, but this is what you can do when you start thinking those negative things. Get a hold of yourself, and you can't fight thoughts with thoughts, by the way. It's very difficult, so you need to fight thoughts with words. Fight thoughts with thirds. Word with thirds. One-third, two-thirds, and three-thirds. Fight them all. Fight them all. Come on now. Come and you fight it with Words. So when your body says, oh, I can never do nothing right. Or, I'm God, I, I know you don't really care about me. I just know I'm struggling. Man, you better open up your mouth, you know, go, go someplace private. You know, we don't want you, a paddy wagon coming in and put you in a white jacket. But, you know, we get someplace and just say, you know what? God loves me. I am surrounded with favor as a shield. The Lord loves me. I'm, uh, he just adores me. All of his thoughts are good towards me. I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, I am righteous. So what does the religious church do? Oh, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yeah, your righteousness is. His righteousness is not. And whose righteousness do you have? You either have yours or you have his. But the Bible says when you get born again, he makes you righteous. So I have his righteousness. My righteousness got thrown away. But you do take up your righteousness when you try to act. And do to get his acceptance. That's self-righteousness. And that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's what they walked in day in and day out. We do this. We stand long in prayers. And we say, our Father. Well, they didn't say our Father. They say, God, we love you. And they would do that and make a big parade. Jesus didn't have, he says, you guys are missing it. So the prostitutes, the tax collectors came to him and said, you have the words of life. The world is looking for and listening for words of life. And it's not, you better straighten up, you better do this, you better do that. You better, they, that's, not gonna, that's not the words of life. I throw myself at Jesus and say, I can't do it and I can't live it. I need a Savior. <laughs> I need a Savior. I can't just be perfect all the time, Lord. I just don't do things right all the time. I need a Savior. And, and God says, I'm glad you asked. I happen to have one. His name is Jesus. He was perfect, He did do everything, He lived in complete obedience. And that's another thing, you know, that I was always, I thought, Lord, I, I, I need to obey you. And obedience, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm not trying to belittle that we need to obey God because he knows, you know, it's like a mother. Don't go play in the street. Why? Well, I don't believe she's telling right. Well, honey, you're going to get nailed by a car. So that's why God wants us to obey. But listen, we've taken, the church has taken obedience to acceptance. If I don't obey, I'm not accepted. If I don't obey, I'm missing out. And I'm not, I don't obey, that's not what obedience is about. We're, we're trying to make God and put him in a religious box, and he is in the wide open ocean, and he's saying, come and have a relationship with me. Come and let me show you how much I love you. Don't make it a, a list of do's and don'ts. Make it about the great I am Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you do that, honey, I guarantee you, you'll live more in the realm of holiness and righteousness than you ever tried to live. Man, I tried to live and just, man, there were so many times, especially back in the old building, we'd be worshiping God and I was repenting the whole time. Lord, forgive me, I'm getting ready to stand up in front of these people. And man, I didn't pray enough to this week. And you know, I didn't study enough, but you know, have mercy on these people, Lord. I'm getting ready to speak in front of them. I want them to learn something. (sighs) Thank you. You know, that's puke. Or in Kentucky, it's vomit. Throw up. Manure. Or any other four-letter word you want to throw out there. I'm telling you, it's bad. That's a stench to God. You know what you're saying is the righteousness of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is not enough for you and me. It is enough. It is more than enough for you and me. And so God wants us to elevate ourselves and realize how good and what he has done for us and start writing that on your heart. Instead of all of the religious garbage that we've been writing for decades. I don't mean to be offensive. But I'm telling you, we need to be set free. And this may Rub you the wrong way today. There may be some people in here that you may be going, getting it's caught right here. You're not swallowing it at all. That's fine. When I started getting revealed this four or five years ago, a lot got caught right here. And this is what we did when we were missionaries in Africa. You know, any kind of meat that you got, you had to chew it a long time. So my point is just keep chewing. Eventually you can swallow anything if you just chew it long enough. Just keep chewing. Because the Lord wants you to realize. He wants to realize how good of a father he is. And we, have not, we, haven't, we haven't gotten a hold of that as a church. And by I mean the church around the world. How good he is. How much he loves us. We've just been dipping our cup into it and thinking, oh, God loves me so much. And he says, I'm glad you think that. But there's a whole ocean out there. Put the cup down jump in the ocean. It is so vast. You know, when I was 18 years old, they dropped me in the ocean. The Air Force did. I, I didn't think they liked me either. They dropped me in the ocean where you could not see land 360 degrees. Parachuted into the ocean. You couldn't... If they said, which way is land? I have no idea. No land anywhere. It's an eerie feeling. But this is what God is saying to you and me today. When you drop into his love, there'll be no problems on that horizon that are bigger enough to intimidate you. There'll be no problems on that. There'll be nothing on any horizon Amen. that can cause you to fear or intimidate you whatsoever. There'll be nothing when you drop in his love like that. Lord, Amen. Woo, woo. We're all concerned about Getting every I dotted, every T crossed. And he's saying, just push away all of that. I'm not belittling every I dotted. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying, when you're dropping into the ocean, none of this other stuff really matters. It really doesn't. You'll live more on target by understanding how much he loves you than you ever did in filling out your religious square. Let's stand.